Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Welcome. We begin the laws of blessings. Hilchos, brochos, the laws of blessings. By way of introduction, there is a fundamental principle in Torah that God and man are partners. That Hashem partners with the human being. Asher Boro Elokim Lasos, the world which God created, Lasos, says Rashi in the Medrash, Lasos, Lasot Litakain, Tikkun Olam, to make the world a better place. So that God creates and man is charged with the privilege of improving, partnering with God. It says that when we say Vayachulu, the portion of the conclusion of creation on Friday night, we partner with God in creation. So when God creates a beautiful world, <clears throat> we must declare that beauty of creation, and we must acknowledge God, and we must thank God, and thereby proclaiming the greatness of Hashem, and publicizing, educating the world around us that there is a God. That is the gist of the idea of brachos. Why do we need to say a blessing? Does God need our thanks? God needs our partnership to bring godliness into this world. That was Abraham, our patriarch, Abraham Avinu's mandate to bring the existence of God to all creation. <clears throat> so this helps give a little background in what blessings are all about. Hilchas, brachas, the laws of blessings, mitzvahs, aseachas. Biblically, it's only one positive commandment, vihi, and that commandment is, to bless God's great and awesome, God great, God's great and holy name, following one's eating of a meal. We say in the Birchat Hamazon, Kakosuv, as the verse says, V'yachalta, V'savota, U'verachta, V'asashem Elokecha. When you've eaten and you've been satiated, you've eaten to your fill, you should bless Hashem your God. That's the biblical precept. Be'er mitzvah zu, the explanation of the, this mitzvah, and all of the outgrowths of this mitzvah, Be'perek, Be'prokim Elo, in these chapters, Peter Krishna, chapter 1, I'm just going to have a drink here, <clears throat> of tea. Baruch HaToh Adinoyo Lehinam El Chaylam Shachal Nibidvare. Chaim, Chaim. Peter Krishna, chapter 1, Aleph, paragraph 1, Mitzvah Asei Minatora, it is a positive biblical precept, Levorech, to state grace, to bless Hashem, achar, achilas mozan, after eating food which nourishes. The word mozon comes from the word zon, to nourish, to sustain. Shanamar, v'achalta, you shall eat. V'savota, you will be satiated. Overachta, as Hashem alakecha, you will bless Hashem your God. That's the biblical commandment, and the only biblical commandment associated with brachas. By Torah law, therefore, 
taking the words very literally, one is not obligated to what we call bench, to recite the grace after meals, unless he's satiated. So if we say, I'm not full, then you don't have to bench. You don't have to do the grace after meals, biblically. As it says, If you've eaten, you've satiated yourself, then you bless. However, that's biblically. But by rabbinic ordinance, even if somebody only ate enough food, which would make the size, the volume of a crushed olive, he would be obligated by rabbinic law to state grace after meals. And according to the Merkaz Chumash, where it has measurements, a kazayis is 0.97 of an ounce. Almost an ounce, 0.97, 28.7 millimeter, and 0.97 ounce. That's a, the size of a kazayas. Less than that, even rabbinically, one does not have to do the blessing. There's a beautiful teaching in Gemara Brachas, tractate that deals with blessings, page 20b, that the angels complained to God. And they said, in your Torah it's written that you will not show favor nor take bribes. And yet you show favor to the Jews. So Hashem replied, are the Jews not worthy that I should show them favor? In my Torah I have written when you have eaten and you're satiated, you shall bless. Yet they nevertheless adopted the stringency of reciting grace after eating an amount equivalent even to an olive. Which means that Hashem appreciates this rabbinic ordinance which was accepted. And this has become the prevalent practice. So we have to make sure that we always eat a kazayas before we can bench. That's grace after meals. What about blessing before meals? And by rabbinic law, one should make a bracha for every food, even before it is eaten. Biblically, only after it's eaten. Rabbinically, also before eating. And only after we say a bracha, after we make a blessing, we should enjoy and partake of the food. Even if a person only intended to have a taste, a little bit, poquito, poquito. Do we still have to make a blessing? Yes, because the volume required is only for the after blessing. For the before blessing, as little as you taste, you still have to make a bracha. As little as you eat, as little as you consume. He makes a blessing, and then he can enjoy God's world. How does it go on the lighter side? This, the, these kids are in uh, their grandparents' house, and the kid starts eating, and, and the father looks with great uh, stringent eyes at his daughter and says, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you eating? We have to say our prayers first. She says, No, here we don't have to because grandma knows how to cook. I got a mediocre laugh. Okay. 
Vechein, don't try that at home, by the way. Vechein im heiriach reach tov. There's another halacha that says that if somebody smelled a pleasant aroma, a fragrant aroma, mevorech, he also makes a blessing. We have the blessing we make in our Havdalah service in one form or another. Bore mine besomim. Some say bore mine atze besomim. Spices. And then and only then should he partake and enjoy. So another example is aroma. Thanking God for a beautiful aroma. Anyone who benefits below bracha without a blessing, moal, he trespasses. And he, it's as if he misappropriates and takes advantage of a holy article belonging to the holy temple. The whole world is God's temple. You want to benefit from God's world, say, thank you, God. And so also, by rabbinic law, the biblical law has to do with satiation. Satiation is grains, carbs. Carbohydrates satiate. Therefore, if you eat one of the five grains which we make the major blessings for, then you have to do the grace after meals. And that would be either be for bread, the hazan, or for cake, would be alamichya. But by rabbinic law, we make a blessing after everything we eat or drink. Who provided that? We consume a minimum volume. What's the minimum volume for drinking? He should drink a size, a volume called revius. The original terminology of revius comes from the fact that the revius was a quarter of a measurement called a lug. So revius means a quarter, a fourth of a larger measure. In our world, again, according to the Medrash Chumash, which has a chart, a revius is 2.91 ounces, a little under three ounces. In the food, in the solids, it's 0.97 of an ounce. Now, what about umitam umat emes, a food taster? And he specifies here that a food taster spits out the food. Imagine if a food taster swallowed the food, they would become uh, very obese. So they chew the food, they taste it, and they spit it out. Being that they're not consuming it, they don't need a blessing. Not before it, not after it. Up to the measure of revius. But if they're going to swallow it and enjoy it, that's a whole different ballgame. At least so say some of the commentaries. Now, what we've covered are the rabbinic after blessing, the biblical, the, 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 the biblical after blessing, the rabbinic after blessing, the blessing on aroma, the rabbinic before blessing, those were all covered. And we gave the measurements, the minimums. Now he says in three in Gimel, the next category is, Okishem, Shemavorachem al Hahanoya. 
or hahania, just as we make a blessing when we benefit from the blessings of this world. Kach so also, mivorachim, we also make a blessing, I'll call mitzvah, mitzvah. Before we perform any and every commandment, and then we should do it. The famous blessing that almost every Jew knows, Asher Kiddush Everybody knows that. Or Anditilas Yodayim. Or Hamotzi. These are examples of mitzvah blessings. Hamotzi is a food blessing. And then there are many blessings. Tiknu Chacham, in which our sages ordained. Derech Shevach as part of the praise and thanks, v'derech bakosha, and request, and petitioning God, k'deilis k'eres The reason for that is, so we should always habitually talk about God, afal pishalei even though he doesn't benefit. V'leyosa mitzvah is not doing a mitzvah, and these are the blessings in prayers and so on. V'nimtzu, so we have four, so, therefore, we have kol abrochas kulon. The total categories of blessings are shleisha minim three categories. Category one, birchais haniya, the blessings over benefiting from God's world, and that is like food and drink and aroma and so on. Category two are birchas mitzvahs, making a blessing for a mitzvah, like putting on film. We have a bracha tzitzis. We have a bracha Hanukkah, and so on and so forth. Or birches heido, blessing of thanks, shein derech shevach vaidoyu bakosha, which are praise and thanks to Hashem, kideliskeres habeda tomit, to always mention and, and talk about God, and this will train us to fear God, and these are the prayers. Now, who ordained the structure of the blessings? Who coined the phrases? So he says in five, the verbiage, the text of the brachas, were created and ordained and coined by Ezra, by Ezra, the scribe, and his court. Ezra was the one who brought the Jewish people, at least some of them, back to Israel for the second commonwealth. And he is the one that organized Judaism into the pathway, into the system, by and large, with which we know it today. So he also did the brachas. And therefore, it's inappropriate to change them as we feel like it. Not to add to one, not to diminish. And here is a famous law. Anybody who wantonly changes the coined Phraseology, which our sages embedded in blessings, is making a big mistake, making an error. Another rule is any blessing that does not mention Hashem Elokeinu, God our God, that's called shame, or Malchus, or Malchus is also Melech Ha'olam, King of the Universe. Eina uh, is not considered a blessing. A real blessing is Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Ha'olam. 
The exception is when one blessing follows the other blessing, then we can rely on the abridged version of Baruch HaTar Hashem. Like Baruch HaTar Hashem, Go Al Yisrael. Because it relies on the previous blessing. Six, this is an important law which we really need to know. Not that they're all not important. <laughs> Blessings may be said, and as we're about to learn, perhaps should be said in any language that one understands. Which means if somebody speaks English and understands English and does not understand Hebrew, the preference is to say the blessing in English. And the same goes for Russian or Persian or whatever. Provided that in whatever language he does it, he maintains the coined phraseology of our sages. But if he changes the verbiage, being that he mentions Hashem's name and kingship in the blessing, even in a secular language, Yotzai fulfills his obligation, because that's the thrust of the blessing, is to praise and thank Hashem. Now comes the question, which again is important. Do we have to say the blessing, or is it enough to think the blessing? Like, you know, think God. Zayin, kol habroches kulon, all of the blessings, every blessing which is mandated. A person must recite the blessing audibly. What does audibly mean? Loud enough for his own ears to hear. And if he doesn't allow his own ears to audibly detect, to hear, the blessing, not the best way to make a blessing, but Yotza. He does fulfill his obligation. Whether he audibly pronounces, enunciates, even if he makes the blessing in his heart, it's not the best way to make a blessing, it's not the appropriate way to make a blessing. One should not think a blessing, but if that's what he did, it's under the circumstances, still okay, although not desirable. Desirable is to audibly pronounce the blessing. And that's, again, an important law, which we have to know. And he brings down here that there are many authorities that do not accept the Rambam's declaration here that if he thinks the blessing, it's okay. And uh, Rashi, Rabbeinu Tam, Tur, Shulchan Aruch, Orachayim, all of these maintain that although one need not recite the blessings out loud, one doesn't need to shout the blessings, it's necessary to, and he uses a word here, sub-vocalize them, pronouncing them with one's lips, Whispering them is also okay. Thinking them, say all of these halachic authorities, is not good. Disagreeing with the Rambam's halacha, and therefore it's important to train ourselves to 
at least whisper the blessing and that my father a blessed memory. Whenever he saw anyone recite a blessing, he would always tell them, say it out loud so I can answer Omein. Eight, and we're going to learn about Omein soon. Kol habrachesh kulon, all blessings, layapsik, one should endeavor not to interrupt Bein habrocha between the blessing or bein hadova shemavarchem Allah bedvaram achayim, and that which the blessing is being made for, an interruption should not be made in engaging in other activities. Bim hivsik, and if he does interrupt, tzarech lazul levarshni has to say the blessing again. However, bim hivsik bedvaram shemayin dvaram shemavarchem Allah. If his interruption was Subject related interruption, and it's Sarah Lebarashni, he does not have to make a blessing. What's an example of that? Ketzad, for example, what if he says, and before he eats, Omar, he says, you know, there's a halacha, he says to himself, that you have to dip the bread in salt. And he says to the server, whoever is serving him, he says, please bring salt. That's related. You want, I made a bracha hamotzi, but I didn't realize there was no salt. The salt, please. Bring the food so I can eat. Or he wants to be a good host and he says, give this guy food. The Allah says we have to feed our animals before we feed ourselves. Feed the animal. Now, all of these things are not the best interruptions to make. But if one made them, they're understandable. One does not have to repeat the blessing again. Similarly speaking, any similar situations, because they are subject-related interruptions. But if somebody is making an unrelated interruption then one would have to do the blessing all over again. There's a, a uh, on the lighter side, uh, I think an adorable story that they tell, that this guy was walking through the woods all of his life. He was uh, not a very godly person, not a very just or kind person, and suddenly... He finds himself face to face with a bear, a hungry bear. And so he turns to God and he says, God, I know I never believed in you. I know I never served you. I know I never listened to you. But if only this one time, if you exist, put some religion into this bear. Please, I don't want to die. And he hears a big voice come out of heaven that says, okay. And suddenly the bear pulls out a yarmulke, puts it on his head. And says, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min Oretz, and eats the guy up. All right, moderate. You know, it's a true story. It was in New Jersey. I knew the bear. I went to school with the bear. Okay, no more jokes for you guys. Test nine. Kol abrachas kulam, or any and all blessings, mutar latome lebarachesam. One who is impure, ritually impure, may make a blessing. Impurity does not preclude one from making a blessing. 
Whether he became impure with the type of impurity that he can purify himself that day by immersing in a mikvah, or a different kind of more severe impurity which he can't escape from, emerge from that day, still it doesn't preclude or stop him from making a blessing. However, one should not misunderstand that therefore one may make blessings in an immodest attire or what have you. A person may not make a blessing in the nude until one covers one private, one's private parts and so on. When does this apply with a man? But there is a way that a woman could sit that covers her private parts. She's sitting in such a way that her private areas are facing the ground and she's covered. Nevertheless, it's certainly appropriate to be very modestly attired when we say a bracha. Ken... Yud, kol abrachas kulan, all blessings, apapisha beirach, v'yatsi yidei even though a person made the blessing and fulfilled his obligation. Mutalei levarech la'achedim, shalei yatsi yidei chavasim, k'dei and he may then go and recite the blessing again for others who have not fulfilled their obligation and they don't know how to make the blessing or for some reason they don't want to make the blessing. Classical example is we've already made Kiddush and we're making Kiddush for someone else. Chutz mi mitzvah. The exception would be a blessing which we make because we're about to enjoy something in God's world, not mitzvah related. For example, you're going to have a glass of water. We don't make the blessing. By the way, the blessing for water. And all general foods is a very interesting bracha. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe. Shahakol nihiyah bidvoro. Everything was made by God's word. Nothing came here alone. God created everything. So if someone's going to drink water or, or soda, whatever the situation, or eat meat or fish or, or eggs or the whole list, then one has to make the blessing by oneself. It doesn't make sense that I should make the blessing, Shahakol, for you when you're drinking the water. But blessings of enjoyment. Which are mitzvah related. For example, eating matzah, Pesach at the Seder. And we can make for others. And then they can eat and drink, even though the one who said it is not eating or drinking with them. Eleven. Anyone who hears someone else make a bracha, a whole bracha, from beginning to end, and had in mind to fulfill his obligation, Yotza fulfills his obligation, just listening is sufficient. Obviously, it's better to say Amen. But even if they didn't answer Amen, it's okay. If somebody does answer Amen after someone's blessing, it's as if he made the blessing. Provided that the one who makes the blessing is obligated. 
if the one who makes the blessing is not obligated, then the omen is not going to help me fulfill my obligation because the person who does it has to be obligated. What if the one who was making the blessing is obligated rabbinically? For example, he only ate a kazayas of food, an olive's measure of food, but he's not satiated. So we said rabbinically he has to do the blessing. And the one who responds, Chayev is obligated. Again, he does not fulfill his obligation. Until he answers, Or, alternatively, he can hear from one who is obligated biblically. Now, moving a little bit more into the complex arena of blessing, Yud Beis, Rabbim, Shenesmadu Lechel Yayin. What if a group have gathered together to break bread or to drink wine? And one person makes the blessing and everybody answers, Amen. The whole gathering could eat and drink, and that used to be the custom in many communities where one person would say a blessing, everybody would say omen and drink or eat. It's a little bit similar to our Kiddush nowadays, where many people just say omen and have a little wine. But if they didn't have in mind for this gathering to come about, this one happened to come, and this one happened to come, and they all ended up together. Even though they're eating, sharing one loaf of bread, it's not a planned gathering. Each one should make his own blessing. When does this apply? When we're talking about major foods such as bread and wine. But other foods or other liquids don't need this planning aspect. Unless one person said the blessing and everybody said Amen, then they may eat and drink because the Amen is always something that causes the other blessing to affect me as well. Even though they didn't have intention to have this group meeting, and again, nowadays it's preferable for everybody to make their own blessing wherever possible. 13, anyone who hears another Jew recite any blessing, even though he doesn't hear the blessing from beginning to end, even though he's not obligated, he has to respond, Amen, so shall it be, true, that's what Amen symbolizes, just because he heard a bracha. However, if the one who said the blessing was Oved Kochovim Umazoles, it's in parentheses because some versions of the Rambam have it, an idolater or a possible idolater. If you would be answering Omen, you might be answering Omen to his intention of idolatry. Or Apikaitis or a heretic, a Kusi or a Kusi, which was a group of people who didn't observe and didn't believe in the Torah properly. Samaritan, a kinik hamislamid, or a child practicing, it's not a real bracha, it's a practice bracha. A shahayagodl, or an adult made a bracha, vishina mimadbeya habracha, and changed the, wantonly changed the blessing, the, 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 the form of the blessing, 
These are all examples of where we should not answer Amen. And then the, some of the commentaries bring down here that if it was a non-Jew who made a blessing and you were sure that he's not steeped in idolatry, he intends with his blessing and his mention of God, he means God Almighty, then why should we not answer Amen? 14, in general, we have to train ourselves that when we respond, amen, one should not respond from the following list of inappropriate amens. The first is a rushed amen, or a cut off amen, or a short amen, or a prolonged amen. A person should pronounce Amen clearly and audibly and in a normal voice, Amen. Not leaning toward any of the extremes. Furthermore, one should not raise one's voice louder than the person who is reciting the blessing. And anyone who does not hear the blessing, that he is obligated, he should not respond. Amen with others, because this could create a problem. 15. What if somebody makes an unnecessary blessing? Very serious transgression. It's taking the name of God in vain. So whenever there's a doubt whether a blessing has to be recited or not, you take the lenient approach, you do not recite the blessing. It's as if one, God forbid, swore falsely. It's certainly forbidden to answer Amen for an unnecessary blessing. Where does that leave children who are learning, Atunaikas children, you can teach them the blessings as written, even though they're making a blessing unnecessarily, because that's how they're learning. So that is permissible. It's a brachas training session. However, should one answer amen to the blessing of a child that's not a real blessing but a practice blessing? No. We shouldn't answer amen. And if somebody does, he certainly cannot fulfill his obligation for this particular blessing. One of the interpretations in Omen is that Omen stands for Kale, Aleph, Lamed, Melech, Nehmon. God, our King, who is trustworthy. That's Omen. It's a declaration of truth. 16. One who responds Omen after one's own blessing. It's not nice, it's demeaning, and it kind of suggests that I'm done. Amen, I'm done. Therefore, if one answers Amen after his own bracha, at the end of a series of brachas, then it's good, because it's time to be done. Again, for example, everybody answers Amen after the third blessing of the grace after meals, Bone Berachem of Yerushalayim, Amen. Because we finished a series of blessings. Some would do the same with the Goal Yisrael or the Hashkivenu blessing of Myriv, 
We don't do that. Mechem besef kol bracha. She says brachas achreinus, or the end of a series of bracha. A bracha is eina ba'omen acharatzmi. One may. Why is it so accepted to answer amen after bonei berachma of Yerushalayim? And we say amen. Lama yana amen achar ben Yerushalayim. But achreb birchas hatev ha'metiv. There is another blessing. Hatov ha'metiv that comes after that. Meishu brachazu b'mechachma mishnah tikkun. Because that blessing, which is the fourth blessing of grace after meals, was ordained much later by the mishneic scholars. Okilu hitosefes. It's an addition. But the end of the main section of blessings of grace after meals is Bone Yerushalayim. Why shouldn't he respond after Abbasayim? Which would be the end of a series of the first blessings of Shema. Or any of the other blessings which you make before something. For example, like blessings you make before Megillah, or you have a series of blessings before Hanukkah candles, the answer is because now that you made this series of blessings before Megillah, you have to read Megillah. Now that you made this series of blessings before Hanukkah, you have to kindle the lights. You shouldn't interrupt with an Amin, between the blessing of and the thing for which he made the blessing. 18. Why should Amen not be recited after a bracha for a fruit? And so on. Because it's one bracha. Because one only answers Amen after one's own bracha. If it follows another bracha, or brachas or a series of brachas, again. Birchas Hamelach, the blessing the king would say, or Birchas Kayengodol, or the high priest would say, the reason the Omen, the self Omen, was introduced to, to announce Shekvar Hishlim Kol that he finished his series of blessings of the Pikach Omen, and that's why he says Omen, and that's why when one does that to one or two blessings, it's inappropriate. Now the question is if somebody eats non kosher food, should they make a blessing? Somebody eats forbidden food, should they make a blessing? They tell on the lighter side, the guy comes to his rabbi, he says, Rabbi, I want to repent, I need you to help me, guide me, make atone- to make atonement, I did a terrible sin. He says, tell me, my son, what sin did you commit? He says, I ate without making a blessing. He says, you ate without making a blessing? That's terrible. Why did you eat without making a blessing? He says, it's not only that, but I ate non-kosher food. He says, you ate non-kosher food? Why would you do that? He says, it's not only that, I ate without my head covered. He says, why would you do that? He says, because it was Yom Kippur and all the restaurants that were kosher were closed. So, the question is, does one make a bracha in that setting? Anybody who eats a forbidden food, whether... Wantonly and intentionally, ben bishgogo, or inadvertently, einem avarechalav. He does not make a bracha. Lo betchila v'leibasaf. Not in the beginning and not the end. There's a pasuk that says, "Botzeya beirech nietz Hashem." That when somebody does a blessing in that setting, he despises God rather than blesses God. Keitsa daresha achol tevel shodibreim. For example. There is a law which we will study extensively. 
that before we partake of the crops of the field, we have to give the 2% or so to the Kohen, and that's called Truma. The heave offering, the 2% heave offering which we give to the Kohen. What if it's doubtful whether this particular item goes into that category of requiring that heave offering or not? Then it's only rabbinic. And the rabbi said, do it anyway. What if somebody does not remove the truma? That food is called tevel, food from which truma was not given. And it's forbidden to eat. Biblical tevel is a terrible, terrible thing to eat. So if somebody is eating even rabbinic tevel, or he's eating of the first tithe, the first tithe, as we will learn, is the 10% given to the Levite. What if he gives it to the Levite for good reason before he gives it to the Kohen? The normal order is you give the 2% to the Kohen first, then you give it to the Levite. What if you give it to the Levite first because you had to? Then the Levite has to give the Kohen's portion to the Kohen. Or the second tithe, or Hegdish, which has to be redeemed, and the money taken to Jerusalem, all of these do not require a blessing. Certainly, if he ate food that wasn't ritually slaughtered but died, or roadkill, or he drank wine that was poured before an idol, all these are non-kosher foods. One certainly does not pronounce a blessing for all forms of non-kosher food. But there is a list of minor forbidden foods because they have to do with a minor rabbinic issue. And he gives an example. Demai is food we're not sure Truma was taken off of or not. And the halacha says, in certain cases it may be shared with the poor. Or the first tithe where the truma was taken. Which truma was taken? The one-tenth that the Levite has to give, but not the original truma. Because it was taken while the grain was still in its sheaves, technically not required yet. Or the second tithe. The Hegdish or any type of sacred item, Shanibda, which was redeemed, in the redemption process, we have to add a fifth. What if he didn't add the fifth? These are all minor technical issues. Because they're only minor technical issues, he may and should make the blessing before and after. In any similar situations, end of chapter one of Brachis.